Welcome to Behind the Screen, a bonus interview series from Forward Movement, featuring author conversations with our managing editor, Rochelle Thompson. Hi, friends. Welcome to Behind the Screens. On this edition, we're talking with Patrick Congregate, the author of the April Forward Day-by-Day Meditations and a youth minister from Jackson, Mississippi. Welcome, Patrick. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have written. Well, it was a pleasure to work with you on it, and I can't wait for readers to uh, read your meditations and hear all about um, your thoughts on the scripture from April. So tell us first a little bit about yourself. Great. Um, As you mentioned, uh, currently I'm serving as a um, Director of Youth Ministries, a Malay person in uh, Jackson, Mississippi at uh, St. James. Um, I've been here um, about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, previous to that, I served in uh, churches in California and uh, New York. Um, what really started my career was I um, I was born and raised in Arkansas in about kind of mid, I guess, 20s or so. Um, I'm in my mid uh, 30s now, actually, my birthday is this weekend. And um, I learned about the Episcopal Service Corps um, mm-hmm. and I applied, and um, that really kind of began a journey for me. It took me to um, Baltimore, Maryland, and then I did a second year in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, and I got to try out this crazy and wild thing uh, that was ministry, particularly uh, working with young people. Um, at both of those places, I did. Um, uh, work with young people, both in churches and in some uh, nonprofit partner organizations. Um, and by the time I was done with that, I realized um, it was really crazy and really challenging, and I loved it. And so I started seeking out full-time work in the church, um, and that took me you know, kind of all over at this point. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. And here you are in Mississippi, and um, and happy almost birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, in your spare time, because I know working with youth, you know, gives you such, such spirit, so much spare time. Just kidding. I know it's a very challenging role. Um, you also are interim chair of Forma. Tell us a little bit about what Forma is and what, um, what Forma is doing right now. Absolutely. So Forma is, um, it's an organization for formation people like myself, um, not just uh, those who work with youth, but um, formation at any age and all ages. Um, Mm -hmm. It's primarily focused on, um, or at least the the population we most serve are um, Episcopal um, folks who do that, but it does extend far beyond that. We have um, folks from other denominations. uh, those who are employed part-time, full-time, as well as volunteers. Um, we talk a lot about about um, celebrating, equipping, and supporting those who do formation in the church. Um, uh, we've been around for about 25 years now. It started um, as an organization called NACED about 10 years ago. It became what we now know it as as Forma. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest thing people may know us for is annually we host a conference uh, where we bring people together. We talk about best practices and spiritual renewal um, uh, and those sorts of things um, and help people to network. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, we also offer kind of a variety of resources, um, such as uh, Faith at Home, which are kind of weekly lectionary-based resources for formation folks to use in their ministry context. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of an array of uh, what we do. Um, I've been on leadership um, since uh, the, I guess, the last real big in-person gathering we had, which would have been more than just the form of a conference. It would have been Rooted, which uh, was, what, Atlanta and maybe... Is that 2019? I'm getting my ears confused. But um, so I've been on the leadership group since then. And then this past summer became interim chair. Um, right now, we're, uh, I think, um, relearning who we are and discerning a lot about our identity as an organization and making some uh, big transitions um, regarding that. Um, and really just seeking how we're going to best support our membership moving forward. Um, right. You know, we just had this last um, conference in January and we had about 800 people attend virtually. So we have a lot of people that we can reach and it's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, I think it's interesting from your, from, for lots of reasons, but from these two particular vantage points as a youth minister and in your work with Forma, what do you think are some of the opportunities facing the wider church and what are some of the challenges? Hmm. Simple question, right? Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I wish I wish I knew the answer to that question. Right, right. Um, uh, it would be so um, easy to solve if we could pinpoint it, but we've been doing this for uh, millennia, right? And haven't quite figured it out. Um, right. Um, you know, so for me, definitely in my specialized area of working with youth um, and gosh, doing it with the Episcopal Service Corps since like 2012, 2013, so a little while now. Um, you know, my big passion has been around um, supporting young people doing their thing, like right. letting them discern about aspects of their ministry, letting them decide about what ministry looks like for them. Um, uh, you know, I spent, I think, a lot of my early time trying to uh, figure out what they would like and do mm -hmm. what they would like uh, with uh, a shotgun approach and some hits and some misses and probably more than not misses. Mm -hmm. um, and then it dawned on me at some point, instead of trying to uh, figure out from my adult perspective what they might like why don't I just like ask them and like work mm -hmm. with them and give them the ability to facilitate <laughs> that process mm -hmm. um, and I've I found that to be beautiful um, uh, there are a lot of things I do particularly around some like mission experience or mission trip planning um, and some more uh, kind of smaller uh, pieces that we do um, in ministry that I've done here at and Jackson and also at my previous churches. And I've always been surprised at the places that young people take me, the kinds of service opportunities and work that they involve me in, um, the things that they are really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So really, I think the opportunity is just to fully recognize and honor our young people as full mm -hmm. members and full um, Christ-like figures in the church, because um, they're not just cute. They're not just adorable. They are um, experienced, wise, discerning um, people who can do things um, mm -hmm. um, um, and connecting them to the wider church. So that's a, a big opportunity for me um, in that way. Um, 
And I would say kind of attached to that opportunity and challenge, especially as I think about Forma is, um, is really doing the work of supporting people who do what I do. Like I remember what it was like starting out. Um, like I definitely didn't know what I was doing when I first started in the Episcopal Service Corps, definitely a couple of years out uh, in the real world. I still didn't know what mm-hmm. I was doing again, shotgun, trying it all out. I still have days now where I don't know that I know what I'm doing. Right. Sure. Uh, and so um, I know that others are feeling that and that ministry can be so isolating and frankly, territorial. And I think that's the biggest challenge. I think we have this isolating feeling about what we're doing and we kind of want to hold on to our stuff so much. Um, um, and so that's a challenge, but the opportunity and that is, especially through, I think, work like Forma is helping people realize they're not alone, helping people realize um, that even though we have unique context, we experience a lot of the same things. Right. Um, and that if we don't talk about that with each other, we're likely not finding that anywhere else. There's there's nobody who does what we do. There's nobody who really has similar experiences. Even teachers would be the closest thing. And yet it's still very different, right? Right, right. Um, so just helping people make those connections and supporting them in that work. Yeah. Well, and I think it's true for so many of us who work in the church and that um, even if we're, even as part of a staff, forward movement or a church staff or some other staff, you are often the only person doing your job. Mm -hmm. So you don't have another peer who you don't have two youth ministers at your church to bounce ideas off of, or to commiserate or to say, gosh, we go the right way or not, or make the right decision. It's just you. And the, that, that uh, community, you have to be deliberate about going out and seeking it and, I think you're wise to uh, be leading that work on the church-wide level. So thank you. Thank you. So as I was reading through your meditations, I noticed that you wrote about, um, you chose Exodus Mm. often to write about. What spoke to you about Exodus? What compelled you to write about it? I, I find that interesting because I, I guess that was on a subconscious or unintentional level. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I, you know, I think I can make easy connections um, as I think about it now. Um, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I think for my own life, but I suspect for many people's lives, um, I don't know if there's a better metaphor than Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this journey that we're on, um, to the promised land to um, encounter God, um, uh, a journey that, um, you know, uh, we witness in the narrative as fulfilled in, mm-hmm. um, um, or at least it comes to fruition in a sense. Um, uh, and, you know, in respect to my own life and our own life that we, we may see that in little moments, we may see little moments of Exodus being fulfilled mm-hmm. and coming to fruition, but like on a large scale, you know, we have to have faith. It's one of those things where we just kind of have faith that it, it works out. Um, and holding on to that faith, particularly when in the desert periods of our life, right? right. Whether the long stretches of 40 years or whether it's shorter stretches of 40 days or 40 minutes, whatever those, um, 
stretches are, um, uh, you know, and I've just, I've experienced that in my own life of um, the, the short and the long moments of desert periods, the, and being out in the wilderness, um, the little instances of, of coming to a promised land and encountering God, um, um, and the ways in which um, that has transformed me um, and I've been made better. Um, not just because I um, suffered through the desert and the wilderness, but because in some ways the, the desert and the wilderness was integral to that experience for me. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you wrote this a year ago, we were <laughs> deep into COVID, hoping a year ago that it would, <laughs> we would see it end. And then here we are again. Um, and I wonder, if, you know, that maybe some of that Exodus journey, you also talk a bit about um, social justice issues that we've experienced mm -hmm. over this last year and your experience of, um, of thinking and reflecting on those and how do you think some of that maybe shaped your writing for Forward Day by Day? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. So I think so. I think it's really important to know. I'm uh, born and raised from Arkansas um, in the South. For those who may or may not be aware, some people um, might consider it Midwest, uh, but it's very much Southern. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's the culture I grew up. I I am a person of color. I'm uh, half Japanese, half African American. Um, 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 I also look very distinctively different than the rest of my family, and of course the community of folks I I grew up around in Arkansas. Um, and so you know I think about a lot of like my childhood growing up and my experience. Um, of people and like my perception of people's experience of me. Um, and I think for a long time, I didn't take much note of it. Um, but as I've gotten older and particularly talking about kind of, I think, you know, going back to the Exodus question of promised land, I think one of the promised lands that I've reached in, in my life and I can continually get to uh, um, is this awareness of identity, uh, both my own and other people and, and how that interrelates and where there are moments of uh, not just prejudice and bias, but, um, you know, serious kind of social justice issues and concerns. Mm -hmm. um, um, and a lot of that has been because I'm a part of the church, particularly a part of the Episcopal church. A lot of my awareness has been raised by that. Um, and so in the past COVID years and really in the years before that, you know, nothing has ever really gone away, but more recently, even before COVID and particularly in COVID, um, the cracks um, in the fabric of our world and humanity have become far more visible um, and harder to hide, right? I, and I think right. that's, I think a lot about the church, like, so, the things that we're experiencing in our church right now, the cracks are, they were already kind of there, but they're just more easy to see and harder for us to hide. Um, so I think that's true of social justice in the world. Um, you know, particularly when we think in our country about issues around people of color and, uh, you know, namely police brutality and things like that. Um, 
Um, however, you know, you fall on the political spectrum, you can have whatever opinion you may have. Um, but I feel deeply rooted in the baptismal call to um, respect the dignity of every human being. And that um, uh, means preserving life at almost all costs, right? Like whenever possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's sad to see um, when things like that happen. Um, um, and, you know, and I think too, you know, as my eyes get opened, um, I witness these issues in the church. The church, the church is a wonderful place. It does wonderful things. The Episcopal church is a wonderful place. Um, it is not perfect and we will never right. be. And thank God for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, there are in inequities and inequalities and social justice issues in our church. Um, you know, namely, you know, at most churches I work at, I'm the only person who looks like me. Um, uh, or at least in programmatic, you know, levels, there might be other people, but they have other types of roles. Um, and so, you know, what does that mean? And how do we address those kind of things? And how do we think about that? When we look out into our pews on Sunday, who, what does it look like? And what does that mean? And how does that inform us, right? Like, like us as people, as an identity, as individuals, and as a community, um, and, you know, being in quarantine and uh, inside most of the time, man, I had a lot more time to think about these things. Right, right. So, right. Um, you know, and I think what a lot of people experienced too was probably a deep um, frustration mm -hmm. and not necessarily knowing what to do. And I bet a lot of people were angry and upset and probably still are. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to do my best to kind of process that in a healthy way. And um, when I write, I really like devotionals um, and I like kind of essay styles. Um, you know, there's kind of the essay comes from this idea of um, attempting or trying to kind of understand the world around you. Like that's the right. origin of the essay, right? And so um, I find whether I'm really trying or not, I learn a little bit more about myself and what I think and believe after mm -hmm. I write. So like a whole month of devotionals told me a lot about myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that was actually the, my next question is just, what was the experience of writing like for you? What did you find difficult? What did you learn from it? And it sounds like partly what you, uh, you learned a lot. I mean, whether you can articulate all of it, but that you, it was a growing experience for you to write these. Yeah. I, I would say, I think, I think the challenge was, I don't know that, um, I've maybe done a couple other things like this, but this is definitely one of the more sustained projects mm -hmm. I've worked on. Um, and so just one, the kind of commitment to, to doing that um, um, and getting it accomplished, but also um, of attempting to really hear what God was saying to, um, you know, to, um, try to express something that is both personal and real and relevant to me, but also can be broad and real and relevant to other people, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause there, there's this magic, miraculous kind of in-between place of like my experience and the experience of another 
and mm-hmm. connecting in word and and incarnating that. Um, right. So you know, I think for me that that was the biggest challenge, and so that was thinking about, you know how do I come at this? Like what experience will speak to more people? Is there kind of, can I come at this scripture in a slightly askew kind of way so that it's not, you know, the way that we always think about these things, Um, but still being true, right? Still being Mm -hmm. true to the word and to God. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that that was the biggest challenge, but I also, that's the part I love. (laughs) That's the part I love. Um, um, And yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I learned a lot about thinking about kind of um, social justice issues. Um, I, you know, for me to uh, these, I would say definitely as devotionals, but even just in terms of most publishing, I think these are the most plainly public and personal pieces I've written. Um, and I touch on things in my life that are real and that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I'm always wanting to learn and grow uh, the way in which I open myself up and am, and am vulnerable mm-hmm. to the benefit of the church, you know, safely so. There's, there's mm-hmm. no need to be too right. vulnerable. But um, so I think I learned how to do that a little bit more. I think I'm, I'm a little more um, confident and witnessing to... Um, the fullness of my life Mm -hmm. and the church world because I think that's another thing as a church employee as a face of church things um how do you how do you be your full self and yet Mm -hmm. also still be you know representative of this thing right right Right. Uh, so yeah well I was gonna say uh I really am grateful for your vulnerability and your authenticity as, as you were writing and uh, talking, sharing your joys and your, the wonderful stories of your life, but also the hard parts and the, the parts that you've struggled. I think that's what um, helps readers realize that it's a real person uh, behind writing this. It's not, it's not a uh, very, it's not a detached experience. It's a very lived, as you said, very mm-hmm. incarnate experience. And I think that's what touches people and um, helps them in their own lives. So thank you very much. I'm grateful for it. Is there anything you would want to add? No, I just hope, um, you know, you never know how things land. And, um, you know, we always talk about, um, or we don't always talk about, I talk about, um, (laughs) Um, intent versus impact, which is something I learned uh, in my time in the Episcopal Service Corps in Boston. And so, you know, often we intend things. Um, uh, and so, for instance, for words, we intend words to be received by someone a certain way, but mm-hmm. we can never control how they actually impact that person. Um, and often, I think when I talk about that, when other people talk about that, it's the the kind of more negative experience of like, oh, I, I meant to say something that was uh, whatever the message was, but it was received in a hurtful way. But I think also uh, when it comes to things like devotions or um, I like any opportunity that I get to preach to, which is like, I may intend one thing when I write a devotional or when I preach or do anything like that. Um, and God is going to take that and impact people in whatever way God's going to do that. Um, and that's both 
frustrating and wonderful. Right, right. <laughs> um, you scatter so, the seeds <laughs> and they land on rocky soil and, and uh, rich soil. And yeah, and so I would just say, I, you know, whatever way that you can find this useful, um, whether it is directly connected to any of the words that I strung together or whether it's only tangentially related, um, I'm grateful uh, for that and I'm grateful for whatever you can take from it and whatever God can do with it. That's wonderful. That's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Patrick, for your time and your passion and your service to the church. We're grateful for you. Thank you.